Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team here's the pitch that ball is flicked into the left field corner and that's a base hit scoring is McCann over to third base Marvin Gonzalez and they're going to send him could be a play at the plate there is and it hits Marvin Gonzalez and caroms off Springer around third he'll try to score head first and he's saved wow Springer hits it down the right field line ball is slicing will it stay fair yes it will and it bounces into the seats Coming in to score is McCann. Fisher in as well. It's a two-run double for George Springer. And the Astros' lead is 7-0. Tapper hits softly right back to Giles. Fields it on the front slope of the mound. Giles partway the first underhand to Gurriel. And that is the ball game. The Houston Astros pour it on in game one of this three-game series, defeating the White Sox 10 to nothing. Welcome back, Robert Ford, joined by Jeff Albert, Astros assistant hitting coach, first year on the big league staff. First of all, congratulations getting to the big leagues as a coach. I know that that has to be a dream come true for you. Yeah, it's really um, a great scenario. Uh, Making it to the major league is something I wanted to do ever since I was a little kid. Uh, Of course, as a player, but uh, that not working out, uh, starting my coaching career and coming over to the Astros, um, you know, being around the organization for the last five years in the minor leagues and uh, now getting a chance to join this group here uh, in the big leagues is, is great. You mentioned last five years in the Astros system in the minor leagues, the last four. Uh, as, as the hitting coordinator, do you think that's helped you in your transition to, to the big league staff that a lot of these guys in the clubhouse you, you saw coming up through the system? For sure. My, my first year, Correa was one of the first players I met. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my first year was um, also his first full year in the minor leagues. And then, um, you know, Bregman Springer was uh, in double A when I was starting out. So uh, a lot of the core guys that are here now were around in the minor leagues uh, when I was there. So it was great to be part of their development uh, as they started their minor league career. And um, basically now join up here with them. Been trying to catch them ever since. So join up here with them now in the big leagues is, is a lot of fun. You mentioned Carlos Correa, one of the first players you met, Alex Bregman, George Springer, all first-round picks and, and all guys who have had success at the big league level now. When they were coming up through the minor leagues, are those guys that you even had to, to do much with or work much with, or did you, mo- for the most part, leave them alone? I think they made the process easy because of their mindset and their attitude. <coughs> It wasn't a thing where you really had to do a lot to track them down and say, hey, work on this, hey, work on that. It was usually the other way around mm-hmm. where they're coming to the, the coaches um, because of their work ethic and their mentality to get better and, and make it to the major leagues and be great players. 
So uh, there were situations um, in almost all the cases where they were basically like tracking me down or tracking another coach down and, and looking for ways to improve. 2008, first year in the Cardinals organization for you as a coach, New York Penn League champion, Batavia Muck Dogs. You were the hitting coach. Pitching coach is Doug White, who's in his first year with the Astros big league staff as, as a bullpen coach. Pretty amazing to think two big league coaches on, on that staff 10 years later. Yeah, um, you know, Brent Strom was a uh, roving pitching instructor uh, for the Cardinals at the time. So uh, we've been around him also an entire career. And Jeff Lunau basically hired us all, mm -hmm. you know, at the time and gave us our first opportunity with the Cardinals. So this is now sixth year with the Astros. But really, um, my 11th year spending almost all those 11 years with, um, you know, with Jeff and some other guys in their front office. So there's been a, a couple different teams now, but a lot of continuity with uh, a group of guys from the front office and, and coaching staff. You played college baseball, Butler University. You went on to play a little bit in the in the minor leagues and independent ball. How did you go from that to, to coaching professionally? I think it was just a natural transition. I wasn't the best player, so I was always trying to ask questions and figure out ways to get better. And um, so that led to learning about, you know, biomechanics, exercise science, things like that, where I went back to school to study that stuff. Uh, video analysis, you, you know, you name it, just finding ways to get better as a player just naturally lent itself to uh, starting a coaching career. Um, and like I said, uh, I got an opportunity to do that as a hitting coach in um, 2008 uh, with the Cardinals and just kind of worked my way up since. Now, hitting obviously is, is can be pretty complex and every hitter is, is different, but do you feel like there's like one kind of big theme or one kind of overarching philosophy that, that you've tried to teach in, in your career in the minors and now uh, at the big league level? Yeah, I, personally, I, I try to look for those things. Um, I think one of the terms I read that stuck with me a while ago was this idea of universal validity. So these kind of general concepts that are very important for everybody. Um, obviously, we have uh, everyone's a different person and individual and have uh, different details that they need, but what are the things that are most important for everybody? And um, those can be really simple basics that get overlooked, like controlling the strike zone, getting good pitch to hit, um, you know, and just keeping your focus on those basics for a long period of time. Um, at, at this level, with the level of competition and um, the, the pressure to win, it's easy to get distracted. So. Uh, I think it's important to figure out what, it's some, what are some of those important basics and try to help guys stick with them. Jeff Albert, assistant hitting coach for the Astros. So glad you're on the big league staff. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Robert Ford. Back at the wall, looking up. A three-run home run for Jose Altuve. Steve Sparks. These fans are ringside at one of the best boxing matches they'll ever see. The Houston Astros on your radio all summer Long. Welcome back to Astro Launch. This is Steve Sparks, and I'm with an old color radio analyst with the Chicago White Sox. Just a couple of guys right now, DJ, just talking about baseball. Darren Jackson, longtime major leaguer. You've been broadcasting now longer than you played, and you played for a long time. What does that feel like? Can you imagine that? Strange. Strange. But you know what? The funny thing is, you know, um, once you leave the field and you get these opportunities, you, you say to yourself, wait a minute, I could do this longer than my playing career, yeah. and I'll probably be remembered more for this than anything I ever did as a player. That's right. And unfortunately, that's been the case. 
What do you see in baseball now, since you've been around it for a long time, we've seen all these different things change. What have you seen that you wish you would have known back when you were playing? One of the things is that this game nowadays, these guys are so big, strong, and athletic. And I trained hard and all that, but it would have been nice to realize I could have trained even harder and gotten more out of myself because these guys are relentless on how they're taking care of themselves. Even though there's more injuries in today's baseball, physically these guys are beasts. And uh, if, if, you know, if I'd have known that I could have even worked harder and got more out of myself, that would have been awesome. There's two things that you did, Darren, in your career. One was you played in Japan, and the other thing is you played with Tony Gwynn. So you probably learned a couple of things along the way. And I know you've told me that you used to go over to Tony Gwynn's house and watch tape of yourself. What did you learn from him at that time that still sticks out in your mind? Well, ironically, at that time, um, nothing. Because all we did was go back and forth on how I was hitting and how he was hitting, what worked for him, what didn't work for me. And it's funny because I ended up getting traded from the Padres and eventually came to the White Sox and found out how to be a good hitter, a 300 hitter in the big leagues. And at that time, um, I started hitting the ball all over the field, whereas Tony always hit the ball over the field. Mm-hmm. Well, they started pitching him inside, and he started turning on more stuff like I used to when I was with the Padres. Mm-hmm. Our careers kind of did, yes, did yeah. a little circle here. He started pulling more. I started using the field. I became a 300 hitter. He was always a 300 hitter, but he hit for more power. So we always had those stories. He would tell me, but it didn't matter. As long as we were talking about hitting, we made ourselves better because we knew what our limitations were and what we were supposed to be doing. A couple of those seasons that you played in Japan, did you learn anything about their style and you brought that with you back to the States? Um, one of the things I learned over there is that they cared about the first inning to the last inning, meaning we'll take one run in the first if we have to bunt it over. Really? And it's, it's transformed to that way here now. It used to be here. You never bunted before the fifth inning sacrifice bunts unless it was a pitcher up early in the game. That's true. But other than that, players weren't going to be asked to bunt sacrifice. We do it now in the first, second, third. It doesn't matter. So they may have been ahead of the curve. I thought it was crazy. They were doing that there, but we're doing it here now. You know, their pra- their practice there, though, was just insane. Too long. Too much. Too long. <laughs> too hard. Wears guys out, doesn't it? Well, yes. And it's funny because they wanted me to actually tell some of our players, do a little more American style. Back off on some of your training. Don't work so hard. Because our coaching staff actually felt our guys worked too hard. But the tradition there was work harder and longer and you'll be better. But the problem is that was before the game even started. And then they had to play. And they're going out there exhausted. I'm like, that's counterproductive, guys. So I tried to take stuff to them rather than what I was getting from them was – just be prepared to play every single day. What do you see mostly with hitters now? When you were playing and I was playing, two-strike approaches were in existence. Now they don't seem to be in existence. Guys don't shorten up. They're still swinging from their heels. What do you see the biggest difference is? You know what? I don't like that part of the game nowadays, the acceptance of more strikeouts for hitters and uh, the acceptance of pitchers walking batters. You know, I don't like that. You see pitchers walking more, and there's no result from the manager going out there. And what are you doing out here? Yeah. And guys striking out with the bases loaded and one out, and it's no, go sit down until you learn how to put the ball in play with that situation. Mm-hmm. So I don't like that what, that it's gone this way. It is accepted now, yeah. but I don't see how that's beneficial. It doesn't make the game better, in my opinion. Yeah, everybody wants the home run. That's great. But there's still only a few guys that are going to hit him in the first place. Why are we letting... 230 hitters with four home runs a year swing for the fences makes no sense. What are you thinking about the launch angles now? Everybody wants to get the ball in the air, and it it looks like it's a uh, a product of all the shifts. You know, you hit the ball on the ground, you're going to hit it at somebody. Uh, what do you think about this launch angle stuff? Not a fan. Really? Not a fan at all because um, it's got to be something to me naturally that you do. Mm. Um, 
if you've got an uppercut swing, you've done it your whole life, and you get the results for Chris Bryant, great. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. But if you're trying to all of a sudden transform your swing into some uppercut that you've never used, good luck with that. I don't yeah. think that's beneficial. Uh, I think if you're teaching kids that today, I don't think it's the right way. I saw Jim Tomey talking about coming down through the ball still on the even plane, trying to line drives, because in the end result, the harder you hit the ball, which is going to be a line drive, the better the result's going to be. Because Let me defense, ask you about that real quick. Okay. So Jim Tomey talked about being quick to the ball, and the only way to get quick to the ball is to go down to it, and then it's come up. Is that yes. right? Oh, absolutely. The okay. finish is always going to be up. Okay. okay, but you've got to come down and make the contact, then finish high. You don't ever finish low. Uh, let me just say this. Uh, some of the best hitters I've ever seen have been line drive home run guys. Yeah. Frank Thomas was not, to me, a true home run hitter. He was a great hitter, hit line drives that just kept going. So I don't know. There's been uppercut guys. Greg Luzinski was an uppercut. Dave Kingman, these great home run hitters, right. they hit home runs, high fly balls. That's great. But in the end, I think the best hitters in the history of the game are guys that just drove the ball, and it just kept going. It's Darren Jackson, Chicago White Sox color analyst on their radio. Always great to see you. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. SS, thank you, buddy. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 